You're listening to Potter Nonsense, a podcast with me and Ray. Welcome to Potter Nonsense. I'm Fee. And I'm Ray. And it's episode officially one, but unofficially two. (laughs) And today we're going to be discussing wizard finance in general, but um, the main point that we're going to be looking at is why are the Weasleys poor? Yes, you'd think with a, a father who works at the ministry where everyone else seems to have quite a bit of dollary dues, and um, he, why is Arthur so poor? Yeah, he's the head of a department in the Ministry of Magic. Like, that that should be something that's giving him, you know, maybe not buckets of money, but like enough that things are fine. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, everyone else seems to be. I know. I know that they have seven children. Mm-hmm. I get that, and seven children is expensive. But like, when we meet them, two of those children have gone. Like, yes. Bill has his own job. Charlie has his own job. Uh, and like, Charlie doesn't even live in the country anymore. Yeah, and it's Bill's only there very sporadically, from what we can gather. He he worked in Egypt as a curse breaker. Yeah, um, during the second one. So it's just kind of like, so it's only like, you know, math right now, four children that they have to really look after. And then when you, well, five, you've forgotten Percy. We all forget Percy. Oh, <laughs> shit, Percy. I totally forgot Percy. Yeah. I really did actually forget Percy then. I was like, oh, yeah, there's seven <laughs> kids. Take two away. There's only four left. And the there is also the fact that um, when we meet them in the first book, um, so we've got the two that don't even live in the country most of the time. And then we have four of them who spend three quarters of the year away from home at a school that is free. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like there's no there's no school fees. All you have to do is really buy spell books. And, and I mean, uniforms. yeah, okay. Spell books and uniforms, yes. Spell books are probably quite expensive. But, I mean, hand-me-downs. A lot of the kids, they always talk about. And they buy secondhand a lot as well. Yeah. Like, why why are they so poor? Like, I mean, I guess Molly doesn't have a job. She's a housewife. But then literally we never meet a single family in the Wizarding World or even in the wider world of Harry Potter because Petunia Petunia Weasley, Petunia Dursley doesn't have a job either. Like, every no. single family that we meet is a single-income family. It is because Narcissa doesn't have a job either. No. Um, we know that um, uh, Amos Diggory works at the ministry. We don't hear anything about his wife having a job. He does have a wife, even though she doesn't come up in the movie at all. But Yeah, Mrs. Diggory only exists in the books. Yes, and, you know, barely because it's all about how Amos Diggory feels about his son and showing off and then his son is abruptly killed. Yeah, mm, poor Amos Diggory. Mm. you got to feel sorry for him. He was quite proud of that boy. He was. I mean, I don't feel sorry for him. I believe that I've actually texted you when I was on my last reread. Yes, yes, you did, actually. I do remember this. Cedric Diggory did not deserve to die, but Amos Diggory deserves a dead son. Mm. I remember that. I think that's going to be another one of our topics later on down the track. (laughs) We'll touch on that again probably, (laughs) yes. 
Absolutely, because it's a really interesting topic. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, there's a sort of sense that maybe Arthur's job is less valued than the other departments, but he's still a department head, and I feel like the ministry is very into appearances. Yes, it is. And I mean, you've got to keep in mind who actually labels them as poor. I mean, I know there's that scene in uh, Chamber of Secrets, I believe it's chapter four, where Harry uh, is in the vaults of Gringotts with the Weasleys and Molly's like sweeping in a small amount of like sickles and one gold galleon into a bag. But like, you've got to keep in mind that it is Malfoy who actually labels them as poor. Malfoy, Mm. who comes from such decadent riches, labels them as poor. So they may not be, in the books I mean, as poor as what is made out in the movies, I guess. There is a few notes as well of like, um, I can't remember which big book it is, but Ron just has this moment where he just sits, sits down and like just they've been having this discussion and then he just says, I hate being poor. Like yes, this, this really dejected sort of thing where he's just realizing the things that oh. he doesn't have access to. Yeah, I think that's book six when that when he receives the Yule ball, Yule ball robes that are terribly hideous. Oh, that's that's for the Yule ball. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that where he says, "I hate being poor"? I think possibly yes. Four of or. That- yeah, something like I, that. I I'm, feel like he may say it more than once to be yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean he draws attention to it here and there, but there's this mm. there's definitely one where he just really is really realizing what he doesn't have access to. So I think they are objectively not um in possession of all of the things that they should. No, it's true. And uh, you're going back to your point about the ministry, um being all about appearances, Arthur is the head of muggle regulations. You can be the head of a department and be paid pittance if Hmm. it doesn't make the company look good. Yeah, that could be it. Rather than wanting like all of their heads to seem, you know, really well off and like you can, you can, you know, do very well at the ministry, it might be, well, we don't really care about this department and we hope it goes away. No, because there's a very interesting divide in the wizarding world where they are so archaic, yet they still don't like muggles. Mm. That's another interesting point that we will probably talk about later. Um, but, yeah, no, I I also think that the Weasleys, while Ron may miss out on things, you know, such as nice-looking Yule robes and enough money to buy um, – oh, that's the other time that he calls himself poor. Well, he doesn't call himself poor, but he draws attention to the fact that he doesn't have a lot of money uh, – on the train, when the trolley comes round, Harry's always the one that buys all the sh- all the sweets and the lollies and stuff. Oh, of um, And Ron's just kind of like counting his sickles, being like, oh, I can only afford this. Mm. I mean, that could just be little boy wanting more than he can chew. Because Molly <laughs> Weasley, going back to my original point, uh, Molly Weasley has always been able to put clothes on the back of her kids, so they're handmade doesn't really matter Mm. Um, and she's always talked about being such a good cook yes and we 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 do get um in the seventh book um Ron saying that his mum just waves her wand and fantastic food appears so why can't Hermione cook any good (laughs) which you know was was a was not a good look for him no no it was not a good look for Ron that was also the vehicle for the one um 
time that we actually get an idea that there are actually limitations on magic in the wizarding world because apparently there is a law that you cannot make food out of nowhere. Yes, yeah, Guam's law, I think it's like the third or fourth, don't quote me on that, but yeah, yes. it's like Gamp's law of uh, magical um, conservation or something like that. Yeah, you can't make food out of nowhere yes. um, and, I, and I think Ron's been very sheltered by his mother. <laughs> Yes. I mean, there is a bit where um, Molly produces some kind of fabulous creamy sauce out of like her wand. So I assume that she had made that previously and then like put it in whatever fridge equivalent they have in their home with no electricity and then conjured it for, for flourish later on. But also it does make me wonder, is it possible that they can also create things that have the like appearance and feel and texture and taste of food that doesn't actually, you know, create any kind of nourishment. What I'm getting at here is could we have cream sauce that doesn't make you fat? Oh, I wish. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. Yeah, no, it's an interesting point because there are several times through the books, particularly when talking about Molly Weasley, is that, yeah, she does seem to conjure food out of nowhere. But I believe we sort of get an answer for that where the first time Harry goes into the kitchens and he sees the tables, the grand hall tables, all set out exactly the same and they've got the magical pots and trays and cups and saucers and things like that. Oh, yes, the um, kitchens at Hogwarts. Yeah, that the house elves just sort of load the food onto and then it magically appears up on the Hogwarts tables. Maybe she has some sort of thing like that. So while she's outside, she's got the receptacle that she puts the food in and just magically makes it appear. I mean, that's some high-powered transfiguration there. But, Mm. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility for Molly Weasley. Yes, There's a lot of showmanship that comes to wizard food is what we're coming to the conclusion here. Yes. (laughs) They do like their food. Mm. I quite enjoy reading um, about the wizarding foods and how they do things because, like, I do have to admit in the first couple of books I did always wonder how the great feasts and the, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinners at Hogwarts um, magically appeared on the tables and then we get that answer in it's the fourth book. Yeah, fourth book or fifth book, fourth book. I anyway. think it would have been fourth because of that's that's when um, the whole SPEW thing mm, starts mm-hmm. starts up. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's the one with Winky, the house elf. Yes, Winky, the house elf. Poor dear. Uh, yeah, and then we get that answer, and it's like, oh my gosh. Okay, cool. I have an answer for this question that I had. Questions that have been asked and we've been answered which uh, I'm very yep, happy about. We, we do like those ones, the ones that we yeah. don't have to speculate on. No, those questions, love. Mm. One thing I do wonder is, like, when did they come into possession of the burrow? Is this a ancestral home for the Weasleys or Pruitts? Or is this something that Molly and Arthur have to pay a mortgage on? Um, I f- believe it is... I want to say it's a family home and I feel so like it's I. the Pruitts. Mm. Uh, and I feel like it is the Pruitts because it's in Ottery St. Catchpole. I believe it is. So they wouldn't have to even pay for a mortgage. So why is it so dilapidated? Mm. And they seem and to grow a lot of their own food as well. 
They do. They've got um, chickens and pigs and stuff on it as well. And Yeah, vegetable gardens and stuff like that. So there's not a lot of expenses that the Weasley family have to deal with. <laughs> yes, it's it's true. They don't have a lot of expenses. Their kids are away at school or working for majority of the year. And yet, why are they so poor? Yeah. And, and like, I mean, I'm fully behind the fact that they, in the third book, they get that, they get that big windfall and they decide to go on holiday with it because, you know, there is the, there is the logic that they should, they should save this, they should invest it. If there's any kind of investing that exists in the wizarding world, or if you just Mm. put it into a um, big vault under the ground and leave it and it never gains any interest or anything like that, that's a whole other thing. But the, like, if you've got a family who have never been on holiday, which is the vibe that you really get with the Weasleys, like you, you want them to, you know, have that opportunity, I think. It's true. I think the first holiday they really go on as a family is when, Arthur wins all that money and they go to Egypt to visit Bill. Mm. Um, so that's like he had to win that money. And, I mean, I don't know much about the Weasley family history, like as in Arthur's side, but Molly's a Pruitt. They're, they're, well, actually, hold on, hold the phone. I just remembered something then. Weasley family is one of the first, one of the seven? Um <laughs> old pureblood families or something there's there's officially 28 there's the sacred 28 um, jesus i was off by like <laughs> I, Sorry, I mean there was, there was a stage where um i i had got it into my head that it was 88 which was too many way too many but it was just you know it's a good mm. number i knew there was an eight in there but you know there's so many sevens regarding magic that it's completely fair that you thought hmm, it's probably seven but yeah both the Weasleys and the Pruitts are in the sacred 28 so yes so the, I mean their um affinity for muggles must have come later because the only reason that the Potters aren't in the sacred 28 is because Harry's great-great-great-grandfather was like really cool with muggles and they were like mm, you're not in anymore we don't like you which surprises me that the Weasleys are still there. Mm. I mean, it, the, that's um, like that's meant to be something that was published in the 1920s. Mm. So, like, no one's been updating that. It was like secretly published under a pseudonym, and like, no one officially is meant to know who you, produced it. Yeah, you would. Uh, you would hope that no one's really been updating it. Although I'm sure one of the Death Eaters is sitting there in their little dungeon going, <laughs> I'm going to update this. Oh, yeah, definitely. Probably not the Goyle family, but... No, but, like, I could definitely see the Carrows because the Carrow is on the list. The Carrows are on the list. Hmm. Um, Amicus and Electo Carrow. And uh, I believe... Honestly, Sirius's mum... Sirius's mum would have been keeping it updated. Oh, yeah. She would totally have it. <laughs> she would totally have it. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of Death Eater families on there. I'm just having a look at a list now. Ollivander's on there. Who's on there? Ollivander. Oh, yeah. Although mm. I don't think he has kids, so that that's... Well, that line dies with him. Yeah. I wonder who he was going to pass on the one shop to. Oh, God, I don't think that man could die if he tried. Eh, so Probably not. <laughs> let's just have a quick look at this. So we've got the Abbots. Mm. Hannah doesn't 
we don't really know much about Hannah Abbott, but so we don't know if they're rich or not. No. Uh, the Averys were invited. Avery was invited to the Slug Club. Mm. So you've got to kind of think. If, if not wealth, then some kind of prestige. Yeah. Um, the Blacks, obviously rich. Bullstrodes. And we only really know about Millicent Bullstrode, who mm. we don't know much about other than she had a cat and looked a little bit like a troll. Yes. Um, the Burks, so Borgen and Burks, they obviously were quite wealthy. They owned mm. a shop. The Carrows, don't know if they were wealthy, but they were certainly something. Yeah, so, certainly something is one way to put that. Yeah. <laughs> The Crouch family, which obviously is Barty Crouch. Mm. Forley's no mention of Flint's. The only Flint we know is Marcus. Um, the Gaunts, obviously this is where we get Voldemort from. Yes, so that's a line that's gone as well. Yep. Greengrass, Daphne Greengrass and Astoria married Draco. Mm-hmm. Lestrange, obviously they were rich. The Longbottoms, we don't really know if they were rich or not. I think they just I think they were well off. It seems like I get the vibe that Neville's gran has a bit of money, um, but while Frank and Alice were, you know, in in their right minds, they seem to have just been kind of comfortable. Yeah, actually that makes sense. Well, they would have to pay for the the staying at St Mungo's. I can't imagine that's a free experience. No, they might they might be in reduced circumstances now, I guess, mm. because something tells me that um, the NHS did not come about in the Wizarding World like it did in Muggle England when they realised while trying to find people to be in World War II, it's like, oh, all of our people are very unhealthy. Yeah, they're very um, sick. <laughs> mm, okay, we should probably do something about this. <laughs> <laughs> things America is yet to realise. Uh, things that Australian politicians would like to roll back. Ugh, how dare they. Oh, um, no. But, like, looking at a lot of these families on here, the ones that we know about at least, they're all quite well off, except for the Weasleys. Mm. I can't imagine having seven children would make you poor. I mean, no. it probably would in today's day and age. But not if you have old money and especially seeing as like Molly appears to be the only remaining Pruitt. Mm. So mm-hmm. she would have also inherited money from her brothers and her parents. Yes, because her her brothers died in the first Wizarding War, mm. Gideon and Fabian. Actually, she's, she isn't the last Pruitt because we do have Aunt Muriel, the like very wealthy racist Oh, that's right. Yes. So, um, like, there is still money in the Pruitt family, but none of it seems to have come, come to Molly. Maybe they cut her off. Hmm. Because she married a muggle lover. But then Muriel's still coming to the wedding and, like, lending out her fancy tiaras, her fancy goblin-made hmm. tiaras. So, like... Maybe Aunt Muriel's just a bitch. <laughs> Well, we did know that. (laughs) I'm going to take all of your money, Molly, because you're marrying this uh, muggle lover. However, I'm still going to come and flaunt my wealth. 
Maybe Arthur does make, like, buckets of cash, but he spends it all on, like, just nonsense muggle items that he doesn't understand. Well, they did own a freaking um, flying car. Yeah, the, the Ford Anglia. The Ford, um, I always call it a Ford, a Ford Angora, but I know it's not an Angora. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, maybe that's it. Like, he's just, you know, hiding the greater excesses of his muggle item habit. And Maybe. Maybe we're about to uncover the fact that Arthur Weasley has, like, got a double life and spending all his money on his second family. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, he does seem to enjoy producing multiple children. <laughs> <laughs> I can oh. see the headline now. Arthur Weasley, sex addict. <laughs> Actually, I've just I've just had this thing that I've remembered from additional information that I received as an adult, but like stuff that happened when I was a child. Um, so when I was a kid, I was friends with a girl who had four sisters, so you know, five kids in the family. Mm-hmm. And um, at a gathering of like a large group of families, when my mum was pregnant with my brother. The father of these five girls um, cornered my mum and poured his tongue down her throat, basically. Ew. After telling her, I like pregnant women, Kate. And it's, I just had this moment, it's like, oh, yeah, he did. He definitely did because he has five kids. <laughs> oh, my God. That's horrifying. So now just now just apply that to Arthur Weasley and enjoy. No. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh-uh. I'm not okay with that. That is um that is a thing that I wish to unhear. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> mm. No, I just imagine Arthur Weasley like converting his muggle money into uh, sorry, his wizarding money into muggle money and having like a double life as like a as like a dad in the muggle world and like that's why he's so over the top about what is the function of a rubber duck and he's like I've got to I've got to play dumb I got oh, I, so I know you exactly think that this is all an act <laughs> like yeah. he actually knows what everything is but you know yeah, he, he knows <laughs> what he knows what absolutely everything is but he's like you know when you've got to act like cool about something and you end up acting super uncool about something because you're trying to compensate yeah i i'm going to say it right now i think Arthur Weasley has a double life and he's overcompensating about his lack of muggle knowledge he's the head of muggle department like like there's got to be like at least one muggle born in his department there's got to there's got to be more than one like (laughs) come on I think he's only got like six staff though so (laughs) oh maybe that's why he's got no money (laughs) I mean I mean like that this is the other thing like all of the like since since it's such a you know colonial society um for lack of a better word it's like everything is being done by the wizards who have grown up in the wizarding world like no one gets a good position if they if they're muggle born so like none of the knowledge is coming is coming through <laughs> yeah it's true yeah arthur weasley is playing super dumb about how things work in the muggle world because he has a secret muggle family and needs to overcompensate for not knowing things I I okay it's canon let's 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 go with that (laughs) 
I'm going to make a canon. If J.K. Rowling can, like, be flippant about character sexuality, I'm going to be flippant about Arthur Weasley and his double life. Mm-hmm. Like, if she, if she can get really, really upset when anyone suggests that Sirius Black is not the straightest of straight men, we can say that <laughs> Arthur Weasley is a bigamist. Yep. Yep. Canon. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just reading a little thing by someone online uh Mm. the weasleys are poor because of having seven children um and mr weasley was not very high up in the ministry he was the head of the misuse of magical artifacts and department artifacts department oh there was only two people in that department perkins I, i think it must be he got some extra ones um in the sixth book i think i think that's where i got six from he got some additional people because he moved into a different, like, they started a new department that would be for fighting Voldemort, basically. I think that's where I got the six. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, that makes also, sense. He also got a pay rise then, you know, not when he not when he needed it or anything. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Right when he's only got two of his kids left in his house. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we're ever going to really get an answer. I think the Weasleys are poor. Because they needed to be poor. Yeah, the Weasleys are poor to put a level of, um, it's kind of a moral position in a way. Like you've got, you know, all of these really, really, really terrible rich people. You've got Harry who is rich but like didn't know that he was rich for the first 11 years of his life. So, you know, he's fine. But, yeah, Mm. there's a level of the deserving poor to the Weasleys that um, is a very uncomfortable stereotype, but, you know, it's would be the only one that exists in this universe. Mm, It's true. I mean, let's think about it logically, though. Like, obviously, things like books and wands and, you know, parchment, even parchment would be quite expensive. And parchment is everything Mm. they need, like everything that they write on. I mean, yeah, considering that parchment is actually like stretched animal skin, um, which we'll also go into a later discussion about how you can't possibly be vegan in the wizarding world, but that's, that's one that we might even have a guest on. Yeah, no, you definitely can't be vegan in the wizarding world. I'm sorry to say you write on parchment, which is stretched animal hide. And you know, just everything that goes into a potion. Yep. No. So the wizard, so, oh, oh, I've got a good one. The Weasleys are poor mm. because of Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. I feel like we need to have, like, a part of the episode where we just ex- come up with some kind of head of reason why Dumbledore is to blame for the situation. Dumbledore is to blame for the situation because he requires everything to be written on parchment and parchment's bloody expensive because it's animal hide, stretched on, soaked, stretched, and then dried out. It's a very lengthy process. It's very expensive, even for the average person, i.e. a muggle. Um, And he requires everything to be written on it. So the Weasleys are poor because of Dumbledore. Mm. And, you know, he probably also requires um, all of the books um, that they have at school to be the um, hardcover rather than a much less expensive softcover textbook. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Surely... Surely they don't need new – oh, my God, the second – that's right. They Second year, they have to buy all new sets of textbooks for Defence Against the Dark Arts. Yes, because fucking Lockhart. God damn it, Lockhart. Who? Why was he hired? 
<laughs> I think he was hired because Dumbledore thought it would be a laugh. <laughs> yes. So in conclusion, my conclusion anyway, the Weasleys are poor because of Dumbledore. Yeah. I mean, we could also go into the fact that, you know, he has an inordinate amount of power in the Wizarding world. So, you know, he could have just rigged it so that Arthur gets paid much less than he should. It's true. It's true. And then just somehow managed to orchestrate Harry being um, in the same compartment as Ron Weasley on his first day so that they could, you know, get to know each other and they can be an influence on him. And, yeah, yeah, it's 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 all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> Dumbledore is the cause mm. of everything. I mean, he's been around long enough. He probably is. Yeah, like he turns, he keeps turning down the um, role, role of Minister for Magic because he's already in control of everything. Everything revolves around Dumbledore. Ooh, let's make that a topic. It'll be like it'll be like five degrees of Kevin Bacon, only five degrees of Dumbledore is to blame for everything. Sorry, six degrees. Like it's it. six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It so is. let's go one step further and make it five degrees of Dumbledore is to blame for everything. Yep, I agree. Because he's more involved. He's way more involved. I mean, he saw little Tom Marvolo Riddle, like, basically kill one of the orphanage staff members and was like, well, that seems like the kind of dude we want in our school. Mm. He heard him sniffing around about Horcruxes and went, absolutely not going to stop this. I'm, I'm just now thinking about the phrase six degrees of Kevin Bacon and just thinking about the fact that I have seen hardly anything with Kevin Bacon in it. I, yeah, look, I hate playing that game with people because they always prove me wrong and it turns out that I just don't watch Kevin Bacon movies. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I've seen um, Friday the 13th, the original that he's in, and then he's in... Wait, he's in the original Friday the 13th? Yes, he's young and hot and he gets stabbed through the neck. Oh, <gasps> he's the next stabby guy? Yeah, he's the next stabby oh, guy. holy shit. You now know, know a movie that you've seen with Kevin Bacon in it. <laughs> oh, hey, that's one. <laughs> And then he just played a weirdly, weirdly overly clothed um, uh, Sebastian Shaw, even though Sebastian Shaw's usually the guy who wears a Speedo and a cape. Ah. See, I may have seen another Kevin Bacon movie. I've never seen Footloose and I I will never see that movie. I have seen Footloose. I did enjoy Footloose. Look, I'll probably enjoy it, but I'm not going to watch it just out of the basic principle that I haven't watched it and I've made it. This yeah, far in life. Same as um, if, if you, Dirty Dancing. Never seen Dirty Dancing either. I haven't seen Dirty Dancing. Woohoo! Air high five. My brother has seen it and um, he and one of his friends would do the dance. Like they, they like, and this is when they're like 10 years old. Um, but like, because my brother was always much bigger than all of his friends, he would do the lift. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just these 10-year-old boys doing the, doing the dirty dancing dance down to like one of them being lifted above the other in the air. That's actually fantastic. I love that. Oh yeah. My brother loved all of the dance movies when he was a kid and I feel like he should have like, instead of getting into sports, he should have really become a dancer. But I don't think, um, I don't think he had the confidence in himself to go forward with that. But you know, he, he was obsessed with, um, Strictly Ballroom oh, man. and I've, Dirty Dancing. I love and, Strictly Ballroom. Um, For any of our international listeners, if you want like a top-notch, terribly awful Australian movie, Strictly Ballroom. Baz honestly, Lerman. I think it's 
Baz Luhrmann's best work. It really is. It's so great. It's one of my favorites. Every so often I'll just chuck it on as background noise and it's just so great. It's so wholesome. And just it had the most attractive version of why can't I think of his name? I'm trying I'm to, trying to think of his name Google. as well. I can't. <laughs> um it was Paul Paul Mercurio. That's was it. just yeah. so beautiful. And now he's he looks like exactly the guy that would have a cookbook that involves having beer in every recipe because that's the thing that he has. Yeah, that's a very accurate description of him. Don't don't look up Paul Mercurio now. Look up Paul Mercurio Strictly Ballroom. Yes, Paul Mercurio in 1992, the year I was born. Pretty much it was two years after the year I was born. Anyway, we are very far off track now. <laughs> we are so far off track. We, <laughs> I'm not sure how much of this will be edited out or if you guys just get to take this glorious journey with us. But Look, I think the last five <laughs> minutes of every podcast should just be us tangenting because if it takes us 30 minutes to talk about one thing, we deserve at least five minutes of tangent. Yeah. Is there anything else like relevant to the topic that we that we haven't um, gotten to yet? Like, I, I, I mean, how does Gringotts work? I don't, I don't even know. Pure dumb luck, I think. Like, I, I think, like, is there a system by which people gain interest or is it literally just you put it into the, into the vault and it just sits there doing nothing? I don't, I don't see, I want to say that I don't think the wizards have, like, been not even fancy enough for interest but, like, not shit for interest, I'm trying to think of the word that I'm looking for. Hold on. Selfish. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wizards are inherently that is, selfish. That is, mm, that, that's a good working theory. Yes. Although um, we would uncomfortably have to blame the, the goblins for that rather than the wizards a little bit since apparently all wizard money is managed by goblins who hate wizards. For reason, reasonably hate wizards, let's be honest. But <laughs> It's true. Hmm. I mean, maybe the goblins just skive off the top. Maybe the goblins are the reason why the wizards are poor. The goblins have not told the wizards about interest. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah, and I'm sure there is like a muggle-born who comes in and is like, well, you mean I just I just leave it there and it does nothing? I can't put it into account and it it makes more? My dad's an investment <laughs> banker. Um, like, you know, we could be doing a lot more with this and the – Goblin's like, shh, shh, okay, no, 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 don't tell him anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just be like, shut up, dude, be cool, man. You're, you're going to ruin I, this for us. <laughs> you're you're going to ruin the system, dude. <laughs> we had something good going on here, come on. Ah, <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I'm at a loss as to why the Weasleys are poor, but it probably has something to do with both Dumbledore and the fact that they don't have investment banking. Yeah, you can't you can't invest anything. You're just you're just stuck with the amount that you've got, and you make you know more by doing things. And honestly, finances do not work in this world at all. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Harry Potter, you are uh, you baffle us again. I think that wraps that up. We don't have an answer other than Dumbledore. <laughs> other than Dumbledore and possibly like deep ingrained prejudices and maybe goblins. <laughs> yeah, Dumbledore ingrained prejudices. Bill, um, not Bill. What's his name? Arthur Weasley having a uh, double life. 
Yes, that's true. <laughs> Arthur Weasley's secret family. <laughs> My money's still on Dumbledore. It would be really funny if it's just the vi- in the village over the hill as well. <laughs> like he doesn't even go very far. He's just, you know, he just takes a stroll over the hill, goes to see his other family. <laughs> Oh, darling, we're coming to Otteries and Coachfall for the weekend. No, you're not. <laughs> you, no, it's I, I don't like it there. <laughs> it's not nice this time of year. Trust me, too many redheads. Oh. <laughs> I mean, just is anywhere in England nice at any time of year, let's be honest? I don't know. When I was there in summer this year, it was, sorry, last year, it was amazing and it was like okay. the best summer that they had. I, an Australian girl who's grown up on the Gold Coast, got sunburned. Oh, that's 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 incredible. Because I've got a friend who lives in Manchester who um, got sunburned when it was nineteen degrees, just going out in their shorts. <laughs> they left. They left their home. No, I got sunburned in thirty-two degrees in London. Okay, it was like that's, the hottest that's, that's a day. decent heat. <laughs> that's 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 actually you know Australia hot. People, people in Australia would be like, "This is, I'm not, I'm not enjoying this. I'm breaking a sweat. I'm uncomfortable, and I'd like to go inside to the air conditioning that I have that no one in England has. Nobody in England, nobody in like the entire United Kingdom has air conditioning. Even the shopping centres feel like they don't have air conditioning. It's stifling. I have heard this. It's like, yeah, try sleeping in 32 degrees when your windows are double glazed and your walls are insulated. <laughs> not ideal." And that's Potter nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> With a weird, weird digression into um, the English weather. But, you know, I, I assume that's an issue for the wizards as well. <laughs> you would hope so. It's not like the wizards would possibly have air conditioning either. <laughs> I can't imagine a castle would breathe very well. No. <laughs> okay, that's it. We're done. <laughs> yeah, this has been Potter nonsense. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> Stay cool, I guess. Or, depending on where you are, stay warm. Mischief managed. Potter Nonsense is a production of Bronze Pig Media and is recorded in Queensland and South Australia. If you liked the show, please rate, review and subscribe so that others can find us. You can contact us on Twitter at Bronze Pig Media or by email at bronzepigmedia at gmail.com.